Hello, fair listeners. Welcome to another episode of Never Seen It. This is a podcast about movies that we haven't seen. I'm your guide on today's journey. My name is Betsy, and with me as always, right across from me, making the motions of a train, it's my husband Trent. Chugga, chugga, chugga. (laughs) (laughs) Hiya, Trent. How are you doing today? Hey, Betsy. Today, we are watching a movie that, once again, neither of us has seen. Yep. And weirdly, also from 2013, we seem to be going back to that year a lot. And weirdly, also kind of in the apocalyptic uh, sense. Yeah, not intentional, just nope. kind of how, how it ended up, because we've had this on our list for a while, and it is time. We have decided yes. today is the day we are watching Snowpiercer. So Trent, neither of us has seen this movie. What do you know about it? So, like I said, it is some kind of post-apocalyptic kind of a movie where the whole of humanity is stuck on a train that is in perpetual motion. Whatever is left of the humans. Yes. The human race. Yeah. We're all on a train. And it has to do, like, the reason why everybody's on this train is because the Earth has died due to climate change and humanity is responsible for it. That is my understanding as to what actually happened here. Well, yes, humanity is responsible for, for climate change, but you mean in a more extreme sense. I mean like they were trying to fix it and we fucked up. Excellent. Yeah. Good on us. Uh, but besides that, I know Chris Evans is the quote-unquote star. This is still during the time where he was still trying to do Captain America and other stuff. It was around the time he also did Knives Out, so he was trying to do other stuff, but he just kind of kept in the Captain America and, and Marvel uh, thing. He was for, making for those a while. for many, many years. Yeah. Um, other than him, I know Tilda Swinton is in it, but like beyond that, I know there's some bigger names in here, but they're not as prominent. And as far as, I mean, other than just the actors that I know, I know that the train has like a caste system for lack of a better word. There is like different classes of people in different parts of the train. Yeah. If you're closer to the front, you might have a, a better position. Yeah. And the, the poor ass people way, way in the back. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I know. Well, I do know one other thing about this movie, but I'm going to refrain from saying it here. All if right. you're playing the home game, it is a spoilery type of thing. Yep. So we'll talk about it when we come back after the break. So we are going to go now. We're going to watch Snowpiercer, and we'll be right back. We have completed our global circumnavigation on our endless train around the world. Trent, that was Snowpiercer. What did you think of it? What a bleak and terrible future we have in front of us, Betsy. (laughs) (laughs) Only if we do something truly ill-advised, like trying to fix the problem of global warming by making more problems. That's the lesson of this movie. Stop trying to change. Don't put shit in the atmosphere. No. It's going to be bad. We talked about ruining the atmosphere in Oppenheimer. Yeah. In this movie, they actually did it. We did it. Yeah. Wow. It's it's worse than what I thought as far as the content of the, of the uh, movie itself. I don't really know how I want to react to this because I... It's really hard to say I enjoyed the movie because the movie itself, how it is filmed, how it is presented, the acting of it, all top notch. But good God, do I not want to really think about it. This movie is very strange. I don't think I loved it. I didn't hate it, but it's so weird that it's really hard to like it. There's just, there isn't any kind of a hope or really a good resolution to anything the vast majority of people on this train die horribly yeah they did and the only people that we know for sure survived are two young people 
That's it. And a polar bear. And a polar bear. He was there all along. Though, let's be honest, if he's living out there by himself and he's making eye contact, they could get eaten 10 minutes after this That's movie true. is over. That's true. I mean, I don't know how, how that... Uh, polar bear is a fairing i mean he looked kind of like a normal polar bear he wasn't like skinny he's just out of his natural habitat because everything is his natural habitat now it's true it's true so i mean i don't even know where to begin here because what we said in the intro is correct the train is filled with people this is the last of humanity and the entire planet has frozen over which is to say there ain't anything alive out there that they're aware of but this guy created this train system, this rail system that will literally circumnavigate the globe and touch every single continent all over the world in order to like, I, I don't think they really explain it all that well, but you're going to go to like the, the hot portions of Africa all the way up to the northern sections of like Siberia and everything else. So this goes back to our last episode, what we were talking about, how some people thrive in very strange situations, in yeah. a post-apocalyptic world. And this guy, unlike what we were talking about in the last episode, actually kind of was a doomsday prepper. He saw what the scientists were doing. They were going to put this shit in the atmosphere. Yeah. And he, I think, was already in the process, because he was like a billionaire, of building this luxury rail line for people who are the ultra-rich, who just wanted to see the world. Like, this would do it. Yeah. So he had already kind of built everything, or he rush-jobbed it. I don't really know, because that was one of the things that was really bothering me at the beginning, was who the fuck had time to build all this? Right. But one strength this movie really has is giving you a lot of information in a short span of time. The movie starts with somebody like, turning a dial on a radio trying to tune to a station and you're getting bits of information where they're basically explaining okay it's 2014 yeah. we have this chemical mm -hmm. we're gonna do this it's our last ditch effort the scientists think it'll do the job yeah. we're gonna cool the entire globe it's news reports scattered about throughout the history of this time period and in 2014, I think they said, is when they dispersed this chemical and it froze the planet. So it did exactly what they said. It will yeah. globally cool the yeah. planet. By it did do that. By then, they had uh, almost 100 countries came together and says, okay, we're going to do something about global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it. We're going to do something. We got our, all of our best scientists together and they think that this is going to help. It's going to cool off the atmosphere. Well, it did the job. Right. But it did it too well. So that's all in the first, like, two minutes of the movie. It's just voices on the radio giving you all this information. And then later in the movie, as we're progressing through the train, we get to a classroom, and there is a video that the teacher shows all of the children. Yeah. And it's all about Wilford, the guy who is running the sacred engine. Right, the propaganda film. The propaganda film. But they talk about it in there, how he didn't believe the scientists, and he right. thought it was a bad idea. And so he took this opportunity... To make this train. Betsy, and so now he's a savior. Betsy, are we going to have to worship Elon Musk in like 20 years? Shut up. Shut up. No. <laughs> Betsy. No. It's already happening I though. don't want to have that even theoretical conversation. God damn it. <laughs> but this is the guy who gets everybody on the train and then all of the poor people just jump on. Like right. somehow they managed to force their way onto the train and now it's become this arc. And the way he's built the train, it has a perpetual engine. Nothing will stop it. It's busting through snow and ice and it just keeps running forever. And it is the savior of humanity. The people on the train worship Wilford yeah. and the sacred engine like gods. Yeah. There's this um, underlying sentiment of like eugenics and like making sure that the humanity is pure and like going along the right path. And it's like forcibly bringing about natural selection. Yeah, there's some Darwinism happening where they have to every so often kind of allow an uprising because right. there is no like diseases that can really get on the train like, they always say, oh, it's a health inspection. Yeah. But it's bullshit. 
So yeah, they just kind of have to cull the population, as it were. They're constantly counting people to see how many there are. And once it hits a certain degree... They say, okay, the time has come. Right, because it's really crowded there at the at the end of the train, and we don't really know all of the history. And I'm sure, like, they, they showed in the movie where other people are, like, brought forward. Like, the guy who's making the, the protein bars. <laughs> he Delicious is, bug bars. Yes, he is brought forward to do that, and he is by himself, and he's gone a little mad. Because he's literally alone all the time. Yeah. But I figured there were kind of two ways this could go. Either, one, they're going to do it. They're going to take over the train and Mm -hmm. everything's going to work out. Right. Or, what happened was going to happen. Right. Because I've seen these kinds of movies before and there's always like a twist at the end. And the one that I kept thinking about, and this is a movie you've seen, Equilibrium. Okay. In that movie... Similar thing, it's the future. They've got this mechanism that controls the population, but instead of, like, numbers, it's just emotions. Yeah. But they're trying to basically quell the uprising. So the guy in charge basically decides... Some major spoilers for this 20-year-old movie. I'm so sorry if you haven't seen it. I'm not... It's really good. I mean, I haven't seen it forever. It's worth watching. Yeah. But basically, the guy decides... Well, the only way he could really do it is to have someone on the inside. It has to be an inside job. And so he allows the guy to get as far as he does because he decides he has to. It's the only way for the bad guy to win. Yeah. And then, of course, the bad guy does not win. Same thing here, where he gets to the train and the guy standing there, it's Ed Harris. I was spending the whole damn movie going... Who is this guy? Who is at the end of <laughs> the train? You know, He's Harris, the MacGuffin. Ed Harris is a perfect choice for this because he is the perfect guy in the background. He is the guy from the Truman Show who is like pulling all the strings together. He's a perfect choice. Fair enough. But yeah, he gets there and he's like, bravo, you did it, gold star. And he Willy Wonka's him and he says, the train is yours. I want to give you everything I own. I'm an old man. I'm an old man. So you're just, I'm just going to show you everything. You get to have steak every night and you get to choose who lives and who dies. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. And listen, he, that guy who was your mentor, John Hurt Gilliam, named after Terry Gilliam. Yep. Which is a silly, silly choice, but okay. It fits. We've been in on it together the whole time, and I have a secret phone, and I can call him at the back of the train, and, and we he, talk about we it. We talk for hours about our entire plan. So there are elements of it where I'm like, yeah, I think he's just kind of genuinely telling the truth. You just don't want to believe it as an audience member because you are programmed in these kind of movies to mm-hmm. root for the uprising and root for the little guy. Right. But at the end... You know, he's got to face some difficult choices and he gets to be a hero at long last, but he dies. Everybody fucking dies at the end of this movie. Yeah, and there's a moment here where Chris Evans, he he can feel it. He can feel the good vibes that he's getting from Ed Harris and he's standing there in the engine room, whatever the fuck that is. He's feeling things that he hasn't felt in almost two decades because being alone, being by yourself, is an important thing. You need to have your me time. No matter what what form that takes, whether it's just you going into the bathroom by yourself to scroll on your phone while you sit on the toilet, or if it's just going out by yourself or sitting in another room while your partner or your family is in, in another room, you need to have your alone time. And he gets that here by just standing there for a minute. And that is the first time he's been by himself to hear nothing but the the hum of the train. I just thought of another movie this reminds me of. The Matrix movie. Is it the third one when he goes into the machine or is it the second one? I can't remember, but he ends up going into the room and they explain to him, the one, it's this whole principle and we have to give free will and... It's two and three. So in two, he meets the the guy in white, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. And the, the architect, I think, is his name. And he explains to Neo, this is all planned, buddy. There is a cycle here. You're not special. You're not the one. There have been like 15 other the ones. Just like in this movie, there have been like four other uprises in the in the course of 18 years. This is not a special one. 
whenever we quell this thing, you're going to go down in history amongst all of the rabble that survive. We'll slap your name on it. You'll be a hero. And the next generation will look up to you and do it all again. Exactly. So just like in the Matrix, they leave a certain number of people to survive and they're going to be allowed to be in the back of the train and And propagate and propagate and come up with their own uprising. Eventually, there's going to be nobody left that remembers anything from the previous cycle. So maybe that's the problem I'm having with this movie is it's mildly predictable. It's not that it is totally predictable. There oh, was I some, didn't get one portion of it, but go on. There were some twists and turns where I was like, oh, okay, that thing that you've been looking at is not just a drug. It's also very flammable and it's a, it can be used as a bomb. Well, and they're dropping hints like that like crazy. Eventually, yes. But they once they actually reveal it, I was like, oh, okay, now yeah, I get it. Yeah, I got the fact that they were going to use it as some kind of a bomb or incendiary device. Whether it's going to be to completely like dismantle the train or blow a door open or something to that effect. So that wasn't really surprising. The surprising part was what Chris Evans reveals at the end of the movie when he sits down and just raps about the origins of this train. Oh, his speech and why he has to get through this door. And Betsy, this was the thing that you knew and didn't want to spoil for me and our listeners. Uh, I did know that he used to eat babies. Yeah. That's the big reveal. So he... On the train, when it was chaos, at the beginning, in the early days. Yeah, and he was like 17 years old. They were all just locked in there, no food, no water, and they started eating each other. They ate the weak. He was going to attack this woman and take her baby, and he kills this woman, and he's just about to eat the baby. And that's when John Hurt shows up, cut off his own arm, and said, Mm. here you go. There's a whole lot of things about how if you don't have an arm then you're a hero. Right. And so he has never viewed himself as a hero. He is this broken dude who liked to eat babies because babies taste best. Which, let's be real. <laughs> if, we have to, if we have to have this conversation... I don't, I don't know if we want to go down this I'm road. I'm just going to say, there are people who prefer veal to steak because it is young meat. That is logical. I'm just going to come, come out and say, just, <laughs> I've never had veal in my life. I've also never had baby in my I life. Would, I would not partake in such it's, a thing. It's tender meat. It is not overused muscle. Okay, we're not going to talk about this anymore. <laughs> All right. So the revelation that he is talking about here where earlier on in the movie, near the beginning, where Chris Evans and John Hurt are having a conversation, Chris Evans says, Oh, Edgar, he doesn't know my past. He doesn't know what I'm all about. I'm not a leader. I'm not a hero. Yeah. I'm. Don't ask me. He has this guilt inside of him that he's not letting out. But he does have a rage about him, a, a sense of vengeance where he needs to get back at society like whatever this society is the people in charge the person in charge who is making them do these things even though they're the ones who are choosing to do it well he is out against the system but he is also trying to redeem himself yes that's where this rage and this vengeance is coming from because he didn't want to have to eat people he didn't he didn't want to realize he, he says at the end the thing i hate the most is i know what people taste like And the fact that babies taste best. (laughs) What a line. It's a weird turn. And if I hadn't known that was coming, I would have been disturbed as you were disturbed. Yeah. Because it is, again, a logical way to go when you paint the picture of what it was like back at the end of the train at the tail end Mm -hmm. with no food, no water, and no choice. And no hope. Yeah. Those are your choices. You can all kill each other and just die. Yeah. Or some of you can die so the rest will survive. Well, and people uh, do extreme things in these situations. And this is why when Betsy and I have talked about the show The Walking Dead, the thing that I was always the most interested about in this world is the origin. How did society collapse? How did we get this far? What happened to the government? What happened to the military? What happened with this? What happened with that? I want to know how this whole thing started, the train started, which is why, just to go off on a tangent, when they when they did the spinoff of the uh, other Walking Dead, what was it called? 
Fear the Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead. They actually show some of the origin. That lasted one episode, and the rest of the fucking show was shit. Well, and maybe the point is that society collapses very, very, very quickly. I guess. And what he talks about here at the in his little speech was that there's a thousand people who get on the train right before everything really goes to hell. And a thousand people is a lot of people. I don't know how many people are on the train right now. I don't know if all those people were just at the end. I don't know anything. I want to know, like, how the stratas were created. Was this all preordained like they keep on saying where the people in the front were always at the front or over 18 years has there been a shift like front and back i genuinely think it's the rich fucks got on the train and you're all here to ruin it for us and we don't want to help you but fine you're fucking here after a while we don't want you to come and create chaos right so we'll come up with a different plan we'll feed you these little gelatin protein bars right and you'll shut the hell up and do what we say and i feel like after a while because at the very beginning they don't have a system like this people are just eating each other there's no real food being grown there's no real water being recycled all that much anyway because the the snow hasn't uh, built up yet but the system, the cycle, had not really been created yet, so all these people in the back of the train were there for nothing. But eventually, they found uses for them. They found, hey, they're good at making babies, so we can start, we can like harvest their children for something. Well, yeah, we have this guy play the violin. We need someone who can play an instrument. Sure. Come on up. Right. You get to be in the front now. And then you're you're kind of teased as to, okay, what the hell would they need a violinist for? Or the children, like, why do they take the kids? You have right. this woman who shows up in a bright yellow coat, right. doesn't say a fucking word, and just starts measuring children. Well, they also start measuring, like, the people as well, right? Just the kids. Is it just the kids? Okay. So, and the purpose there is, of course, find the one that is going to be the scrawniest so that they can fit into the tiniest little spaces so that they can manually operate some of the, the, the engine. They are part of the machine. Yeah. The kids are basically brainwashed and they just do their little job. They sit in the pit mm -hmm. and they turn a gear. Yeah, and the rest of the kids get put into this school, taught by Allison Pill, by the way. Yeah, she shows up. We like Allison Pill. And she is this uh, this propagandist in chief, where she is just teaching all the kids the the wonders of of the of the of the train man. Again, back to the Matrix, the train man. <laughs> that scene was so strange. Like it is interesting how we start at the back of the train, where everything's dark and dirty, and it's really hard to see. And as they keep working their way forward, the train cars get more and more elaborate. And exotic and exotic yeah because it's like okay here's a greenhouse and here's a sauna and here's a room full of jacuzzis and a nightclub full of drugs and yeah. she's just there in one car teaching the children the train song and she's singing about the savior that will take us all through the world yeah and she's also very pregnant yes do you think wilford is the father of that baby. The implication is, yes, he is. Because yeah. when she says his name and she's talking about how he's going to save us all, she... The camera kind of pans down to her belly? Something specifically that she says while she's rubbing her belly oh. suggests that he is the father. Uh, but she's also, you know, very dedicated to this cult that they have created yeah. because she has no qualms about pulling out a gun and starting to kill people yeah. on command. Yeah, that scene, I think, surprised me more than anything because this guy, this bald guy, comes out with a wheelbarrow full of eggs. Boiled, hard-boiled eggs. Yep, and, uh, and an Easter basket full of eggs, handing them out like candy. Oh, a wheelbarrow. It's a wheelbarrow well, full no, of no, eggs. No, there's also an Easter basket that oh. he gives to her. Okay. That's where her gun is. Got it. So yeah, they all start pulling out guns, and as a response to what somebody says here about, oh, I thought uh, chickens were extinct. And they say, oh, no. But uh, there was another rumor about something else being extinct that was, uh, I'm going to prove wrong, too. And it's about bullets. They thought the bullets went extinct because they used them all during the last uprising. Well, when they start the uprising in this version, yeah. Chris Evans basically has a theory that the bullets are gone. That the right. guns don't work. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense for two reasons. One, Tilda Swinton gives up, gives away the game. Like, put away yeah. that useless gun. Yeah. 
And two, why would they bother? Why would they bother with bullets way back there? They'll put the bullets near the front of the train. Because that's what's important. In the event they ever get that far. Yeah. They won't actually need to worry about way in the back of the train because, eh, you know, it's fodder. Like those guys, those soldiers, those people, Mm -hmm. they're expendable. That's why they got that assignment. Right. So they don't really worry too much about it. But yeah, they apparently are not out of bullets because they use them very freely to kill exactly 74% of the population. Right. And like, I don't know where the hell they get this number from or like who on that train is doing all these calculations in the first place. I mean, there are computers on this train because near the front, there's a bunch of people like behind cages sitting at computers. Who the hell knows what they're doing other than that? Yeah, are they running the engine? Is it computerized? Because if you need small children to keep the parts that broke going, you know, that's a thing. But they also don't need it for navigation because the train is just on a single track and it just goes round and round and round. Right. And like, there's not really anything else to monitor, except if there's anything that tells them if there's like weird issues with the train outside of the engine or the tracks. Like, regular train tracks need to be serviced. Like, there's there, there needs to be service done on railroad tracks. That's why they have railmen. One of my grandpas was a railman. One of my great-grandpas was a railman. Yeah, it's needed. Well, Trent, if you're going to poke holes in the logic of the train that goes around the planet in the apocalypse... I am. <laughs> I have one for you. Where the hell are all the animals that they eat? Because I was genuinely, Mm -hmm. it took a really long time for them to get to the fact that the kids were being used for labor. And I was like, what's that steak? Is he eating people? We just revealed that there's a lot of that going on, or at least there used to be. Where are the children? Because it makes more sense that he'd be eating a child than that he'd be eating a steak. You're right. And I think the steak thing is a lot more likely that that's a, that's a people <laughs> than anything else. But they did have a whole bunch of real chickens that were hanging there in the, the slaughterhouse car. And they had sides of beef. There was a lot of meat. There was an entire sure. meat house car. And there's a whole wheelbarrow full of eggs. So maybe they just passed through the, the animal yes, car. I will give you that maybe we just didn't see it because this train is really, really long. Yeah. But I have some logistical questions <laughs> about how you managed to keep this train going. There is an aquarium. I understand that. Keep it full of water eat the fish the fish will eat each other right and talk about being impractical let's let's just keep on poking holes in this let's do it (laughs) the impracticality of the fact that this is an aquarium meant to show people to have them walk through it and say "Ooh and ah yeah it's a luxury train we've spared no expense i guess i just wonder how many other trains we didn't even see how many cars there were because they were getting progressively stranger, like the fucking rave train. Yeah, like, I've never been on a, on a fancy train like this before, but it looks like this one car where they're kind of, like, going down the side, where there's, like, windows behind them, and across the way is just the places where you would normally, like, sit and sleep and whatever else. Inside of these areas, you saw somebody getting dental work done. You saw somebody in what looked like a study like, like somebody sitting at a desk, knitting reading and a, reading. reading a book. Yep. Yeah. There was a guy getting uh, measured for a suit. There right. was a tailor. There was a tailor. There was a salon. There were a bunch of women getting their hair done and getting mani-pedis. And they're all just staring at this stinky, dirty group. Right. And they're just, they're just letting them walk through. They're not really f- saying anything because to them. Because I think they're too stunned. Number one, they've never interacted with them. And number yeah. two, what are they going to do about it? Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the whole relation to the Hunger Games because, again, all these people in these other districts never, ever interact with each other because there are barriers set up so that that doesn't happen. The only time they ever see each other is at the Hunger Games. You know what other movie this is like? In Time. I'm going to find every excuse to bring up this crap movie (laughs) in the last few weeks. Yep. Yeah, same thing. They have to find a way to get through this through each barrier and bust the system wide open until in, in, it all crumbles. In, in time, they're called time zones. That is the dumbest <laughs> pun. 
It is the dumbest pun, you guys. It's, it's so funny, though. It's fucking stupid, it's and I so hate it. It's so funny, though. You should go and watch In Time. It's great. At least that one is fun. This one is just like, <laughs> why are we eating babies? There's a guy that gets his arm stuck out into the cold, cold air, and then they break it off. Yeah. Like, this movie alternates from ultra-violent to... We're going to mask some of the violence so we don't upset you. <laughs> no, okay, all right, let's talk about the violence because there's a lot of it. So I would say the coolest scenes are all of the, the violent scenes, the fights, especially when they go into the tunnel and all the guys put on the night vision goggles and all the other people don't get to see anything. So you're just seeing the slaughter happen. Well, guess what happens? They prepared for this shit. So they call back. They have this relay system of people going all the way back. They have a match. They have a torch. And what do they do, Betsy? Well, they bring torches. They go all the way back, and a kid with a fucking Olympic torch is sprinting from the back of the train all the way up to where they are with a relay race. All these other guys, including the guy who had his, his arm frozen off, he gets in on it too. So again, I have a logistical question. So they show where they get the matches. The guy who's going to unlock all the doors for them. Yeah. He's got the matches. The kid takes the matches. How do the matches go from the kid to Chris Evans? Because later on, Chris Evans has the matches. Were there two sets yeah, of matches? There were, because there was another set of matches in his cigarette tin. I need to go back to understand if there that's were. actually true there because were. that was kind of bothering me now that I was thinking no, about there was, it. No, there was two different things in that tin. Well, there were two cigarettes. I didn't remember two packs of matches. Yes. Hmm. Okay, fine. Yes. I will allow it. <laughs> but yes, they have all these torches all set up. Back to my thing about this being a cool scene. They got all these torches lit up and everybody's just going fucking nuts. And I will say this movie is dark in a lot of different ways mainly in the lack of lighting especially in the first half of the movie when they're all in the back well there's no windows so the first time they actually get to a car with a window they're all fucking blinded because so are we. it's snow blind it's yeah. white light yes bouncing up and just yeah these are people who live in the dark yes. all the time but the scene of them in the dark with the torches all fighting each other Looked incredible. And that's the only light. That was one of the behind the scenes things was he didn't use extra light. It's oh, just the torches. That's what makes it so cool. Yeah. And there's that moment in there where, you know, you are, the hero is faced with a, a, a conundrum. The quote unquote hero. He can go and get the bad guy or he can save the friend. You have to put them in this situation. I'm like, the best friend's gonna die. That's what happens in these movies. Yes. If it's not now, it'll be later. The cause is more important, Betsy. And that kept happening. You know, That was just the one guy. But then everybody in the party, the badass dude who's just like doing parkour everywhere. The parkour everywhere, guy, yeah. Octavia Spencer showing up out of nowhere once again for like the fifth movie that we have watched and didn't know she was in. Betsy, we need to watch an Octavia Spencer starring film. There are a few. Yeah. We'll have to find one eventually. We need, we I'm need tired to of find her one. just showing up and yeah. I didn't know she was she gonna be here. She has shown up in probably four or five different episodes where we had no idea she was in it. Going back all the way to Spidey Sunday, where she's taken fucking sign ups for the wrestling match. Genuinely, it's insane. So she shows up, she dies. Jamie Bell shows up, he dies. John Hurts shows up, he dies. Everybody along the way as he's making his way to the front of the train. Yes. It's just slaughter. And there are some cool fight scenes. You're right. That one with the axes and yeah. the slow motion and the dark and the light. Like, that's a lot of cool stuff. I also liked in the sauna when it's just the one guy fighting mm -hmm. everybody. Yeah. And there's no music. Yes. The only music is the ambient music that the people getting getting their sauna on is are listening to. It's like easy listening elevator shit. Yeah. Like you're only hearing the gentle hum of the train. And I also noticed that there is no music in that whatsoever. No added sound, nothing. It's just them moving around. Yeah, the sound editing in this is really cool. Like, yeah. the score is also really good. Like, it's just piano. Just, like, really menacing piano music and, you, and a little bit of string. You barely even notice that it's there. No, but you notice when it's not, though. You're right. Um, as far as, like, how it looks outside of the fight scenes, 
especially early on when you got Tilda Swinton up at the front addressing everybody, you can see how the train is like moving like a snake along the track where you can see the, the cars in front in the next room, the next car, you can see that kind of swaying to one side and then back to the other side. If you've ever ridden a subway in yeah. any major city yeah. and you look out the back of your car at the car behind you, mm -hmm. it's never quite lined up because they're always moving independently. Exactly. But yeah, that was a really cool effect. Uh, there are some really tense moments in this movie too, like when they reach the bridge and they're starting to go through the big blockades of ice and they're yeah. plowing through them yeah. and they're just screaming, everyone get down and they plow through it. Mm -hmm. And the train is going off the rails. Like those oh, cars yeah. are up and off and there's nothing to bring them back down, but gravity. Right. So there were some moments where I was like, Jesus Christ, are we just going to go off a cliff? That's too soon. We're only halfway through the movie. Well, that's the thing. Everybody on that train knows exactly what's going to happen. They know they have to brace for it. They know they have to all get down. They know the cycle because this yeah. train goes in a circle. Well, also think about like the weight distribution inside these cars. If you're off to the side, if you're off to the wrong side, that car could go over. So guess what? You all get down, get all your weight near the floor, and that'll help stabilize you. It is funny that they're all in the middle of fighting each other. And first of all, they all stop because it's New Year. Right. They literally all just go, Happy New Year! We've right. crossed the bridge! We it's crossed, another year! we crossed this one bridge. That's the special bridge. That's the signal. <laughs> yeah. We've made it all the way around the world. Right. And then Edgar is saying, like, Oh man, I don't like to get old. So there's that... And then when they all are told to get down, everybody just gets down. Like, nobody continues to fight. Yeah. They all know the hierarchy of this train, but they also know if they don't all work together in this particular instance, they, they will all, all die. They all die. Which at the end doesn't matter because the train does get yeah. derailed because they create a big explosion and an avalanche. Yeah, I, but I do like the dynamic there of... Everybody respects the, the hierarchy, like you said. The train is the most important. Exactly. The train... The uh, sacred and, engine. And they keep on saying it. The train is the world. And the people inside are humanity. That is how you have to treat this train. Because we fucked up the actual world. This is all that's left. Ah, oh, fuck me. Snowpiercer is a metaphor for... The train the whole is the planet. The fucking movie is a metaphor. And you have to treat your ecosystem with grace and benevolence. And, and eat bugs. And eat bugs. Listen, eat bugs are a great source of protein. They are. Don't be so upset. Though I will say, they looked pretty fake. Like, of all of the special effects in this movie, that one I was like, what am the I barrel, looking at? The barrel of bugs? The barrel of bugs. Yeah. It looked pretty fake. I mean, again, this movie is 10 years old. A lot of the CG doesn't hold up. And I'm sure it didn't have a huge budget. So I'm not going to take points away from that just because it looked a little cheesy. Even though, like, the outside portions where you're looking at the train and it's going through all the different, uh, like, snow banks and shit like that. That looked dated, too. Again, I'm, I'm not going to take points away. Looking at all of the outside world scenes where it's all frozen, I didn't notice any landmarks I recognized. I was no. kind of disappointed that they weren't a little more obvious about no, that. No, you got like buildings and clearly they were cities shipyards, and shipyards and all this and other stuff. And a train station. Yeah, nothing really recognizable and... Maybe it would have been a little better if you were could if you could ground it a little bit saying, hey, we're going past this landmark. I need to go back and look at the map of where the train runs because it's like, does yeah. it does it come near here? Could we have got on the train? <laughs> There's plenty of train tracks that come through here, so yeah. All right. We have to, before we get too close to the end here, talk about Tilda Swinton. All right. She's bananas <laughs> in this movie. I was watching this, I'm like is she playing it for laughs or is it just she's such a good character actor that I'm totally invested in whatever nonsense she has chosen for this role? I mean, I don't think it's her choice. I think that's just, hey, you have this weird accent. Hey, you have this attitude towards the people. And I kind of wish that she went even further or maybe joined up with them. 
Like, I kind of wanted her to be the Elizabeth Banks of this of this whole thing when we're talking about Hunger Games and all the comparisons there. Have her be the, the liaison. She's the one that's been slipping them notes. Yeah. And feeding the revolution. But it's not that kind of a movie. No, she's just there to lecture them in this crazy accent and then take out her teeth for no explicable yeah, reason. Yeah, what was that about? I don't know. But then pretty soon after that, Chris Evans kills her. Like, she was not really yeah. that significant. She was the biggest star, apart from Chris Evans, right. that was advertised as being in this movie. Right. And I'm like, oh, she's the central villain. No, she's a messenger. She comes and just... She's the middleman. She just comes and shows up and gives a speech and talks about, be a shoe. You know, right. I'm a hat, you are a shoe. Right, it's it's talking about, hey, this is where everybody belongs. Know your place. Know your place. You guys are in the ass end of this fucking thing. Be happy that you're here at all. Be thankful that you're here at all. You should worship the person who is allowing you to be on this boat. It's more propaganda. Yeah. And worship the man who runs this whole thing. Yeah. And again, they refer to this thing in, in the opening, opening sequence. They call it an ark, which, I mean, when you're talking biblical terms, that's kind of what this is. That is what it is. That's all it is. But yeah, I kind of loved her in this just because I really like Tilda Swinton. Yeah. And when she goes for it, she just really goes for it. Yeah. But when you're looking at her compared to everybody else, I'm just like, I don't understand this. Well, I think <laughs> these maybe are some choices. The, the character, I think, is halfway in and halfway out. Like she's not all the way in the posh society of of the upper portions of the train. She still has to deal with the with the rabble in the back. So she's kind of in both areas. So maybe she just can't really settle on anything. I don't know. But at one point, she was given an opportunity to really show her colors and maybe help out Chris Evans. But no, when they pulled out the guns, she was lunging towards a gun or a weapon or something. And they denied her and she could not be left alive. I guess. Yeah, she definitely is playing sides. Mostly, I just think her character is very, very bizarre. She's the only one like this because even if you compare her to Allison Pill, they're both kind of the same. They're out there preaching the good word. They're saying he is a hero right. and our Lord and Savior and you should respect that. And mm -hmm. we, you know, what happens if, if we, if the train stops, we all die. <laughs> I mean, what she's saying is all true. Like the guy who made this train, he did make the train. He did say that this is going to fail. Everything that he said came true. So they're treating him as a prophet. But then again, when you get to at the very end, Ed Harris is talking in a very godlike manner. Like, I am bequeathing this train to you to do with what you will. Willy Wonka is not a god. <laughs> I'm going to use my reference. He Willy Wonkas. <laughs> well, no, he says, hey, you get to decide what happens with these people. I am essentially giving you my power. You are going to be in power. You get to be alone by yourself up here. You get to have everything that you've always wanted. He's giving Adam free will. He's also making him like a Jesus figure. There's so many things you could dig into oh, this, yeah. like religious themes and, you know, other sci-fi tropes. And like I said at the beginning of this, it's not a badly made movie. No, not at all. I just don't know if I love this movie. It was fine. I feel like it was fine. There were moments it was really good. I don't know if there were any moments that were great. Yeah, I suppose. It's not a movie that I'm going to sit down and watch, like, even occasionally, I think. I'm glad I watched it. I really enjoy the, like, all the sociological things and all of the existential things. and You like a movie that makes you think. I do. Like, we could definitely dig into this and extrapolate and read into all kinds of shit. Well, I kept, like I said in the, in the intro, like, there is a caste system here where you are not allowed to break out of it. You cannot improve your station in, in the train, in life, in whatever. You are meant to be here because the train god says so. I guess. I have one question for you. So this movie actually got adapted a few years ago into a television show. Yeah. How do you think that would work? 
I don't know. Because this doesn't feel like this is the continuing adventures of this. Like, this movie starts and they're already kind of in the middle of planning. And then once it starts, it just keeps going. Like, in yeah. this one how, day or two days, we're going to get from the end of the train to the beginning of the train. Like, how do you create the rising tension of a television show from episode to episode? How do you make that rising tension pay off at the end of a season, but then come right back and do it all over, over again? Are you making a revelation about something? Are you actually planning a revolution? Are you replacing the head of the train at some point? I don't know. Yeah, the pacing, I feel like, would get very strange. Now, I don't know. I haven't seen this show because I hadn't watched this movie. Maybe the show is great. Maybe it works as an episodic thing where you can go, like, the momentum is train car to train car. Every episode, they make it a little bit further, right. and it's like a single season. Right. Is the season just the entire length of the train? And then by the end, you have a result, and it the cycle just starts over again. I don't know. I don't know. I think it works as a movie because it is constrained to this has to have an end and it can't be a four hour movie. Like move it along. Or it could be like, I mean, we keep on talking about The Walking Dead on the show, but as a comic and as a television show and every other form of media, the person who created this created it knowing that there wasn't ever going to be an ending. There is no end planned for, which is maybe why they've had like 15 different spinoffs, but that's a separate <laughs> conversation. But it is not planned to have any kind of ending whatsoever. There's if no there, happy resolution. If there is an ending, they're all dead. So, or life keeps going as right. it is. It just keeps on rolling along, much like this train. So if, if, <laughs> so if anything, it's going to be like that. Yeah, that's pretty much what's going on here, except that the guy who's helping them open the doors points out Every year we go past this one spot and mm -hmm. every year I look out the window and I'm looking at that airplane. Right. And I can tell based on every year mm -hmm. that the snow is melting. At the first time I saw it, I could only see the tail 10 years ago. 10 and years now ago. I can see almost all of it. So it's at least maybe melting or it's shifting. So the seed that has been planted is that of hope. Maybe they can survive out there. Right. Maybe they can't. But guess what? The rest of humanity was on that fucking train. So either we've got two people and they're still all going to die. Or there were some survivors that will crawl out and right. you know, go you know, their separate ways. Go their separate ways. Yeah, we're going to have these two kids going one way. We got all the rich fucks over here in their rave outfits. Maybe there is the very, very slim chance that there are other human beings alive yeah. somewhere on the planet. Maybe. But I don't know. Like, there's not really a great resolution to this other than look up polar bear. Hey, polar bears are still alive. If he can be alive, then maybe we can do it. Cut to black. And again, that's coming back to the whole metaphor thing about, hey, climate change, all the fucking tree huggers out there, they want to save the bears, save the polar bears. And they, they show you the, the lone polar bear on, on top of a one piece of ice floating in the ocean. It's that thing. Not to make light of the situation. Like, no. We definitely do our part and try to help the environment sure. and, you know, maybe not destroy the planet more. We're not assholes. We try not to be. Yeah. Well, Trent, do you have any other lingering problems with this movie thoughts you need to get out before we wrap this up? I mean, it's it's all pretty much the base level where even at the end, like, the guy has, like, a self-sacrifice thing. It's... You know, tr 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 he, he redeems himself for doing all the bad things at the, in the beginning. And, you know, a lot of it is movie tropes. A lot of it is predictable, like you said. But overall, I enjoyed the movie. I don't know if I'm going to revisit it anytime soon. I think Chris Evans is a hell of an actor. I cannot wait till, until he can actually spread his wings and do a lot more stuff. He's still in the early days post-Marvel. Yeah. Right now, I think he's still kind of taking a break. Well-deserved. A well-deserved break. No more Captain America. Enjoy your freedom, sir. Indeed. All right. Well, that is going to be it then for Snowpiercer. We would love to hear from you, dear listeners, about this movie, about The Walking Dead. We're, we're open to conversation, guys. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the movie we just did, The World's End, a movie we did 
several years ago, the other Matrix movies. Have you seen the Snowpiercer TV show? Have Tell you us seen about it. Equilibrium or In Time? These are all things that we would love to talk okay, to you about. I, I'm just going to say, fuck all that other shit. Go watch In Time and tell us what you think about that. So go and watch In Time, and we would like for you to tell us your thoughts by emailing <laughs> us, neverseenitpod at gmail.com. We have an email that we've actually been hanging on to for a while because we just hadn't really found a good fit for it. Yeah, and but, we were doing a series, and yeah. But you know what? This one is kind of relevant because it's sort of an eat the rich theme. Uh, it's the menu. Yeah. So this is from our super fan Stephanie about the menu, uh, an episode we did, oh gosh, a month or so ago. She begins, I really liked this movie. I agree that it is much more enjoyable than Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. I am a little picky, not like Trent. I think talking she's, about food. she's talking about food. I am a little picky, not like Trent, but to the point where I do not appreciate the weird stuff. We went to a wedding recently where they served us a raw quail egg on what seemed to be a Parmesan crisp as one course at the rehearsal dinner. We definitely had beers and bar food after. Yeah, that's not food. <laughs> no. That's not food. Now that's fancy for the sake of being fancy. It's like, let's get these bitches to eat raw eggs. Like, no, I'm not no. interested in your raw egg situation. She continues, the cast is great. Nicholas Holt is fantastic in this and the great. Speaking of the TV show he's on. Okay. Anya Taylor-Joy is so, so good. John Leguizamo makes some really good film choices. Between this and Violent Night, he knows how to have fun with a role. Yes, he does. Ray Fiennes is amazing. Uh, so she continues, they recently went on a cruise. I think we maybe mentioned that before because yeah. it was in another email. Yeah. So an update on the cruise situation. So on our cruise, we ended up talking to the staff more than any of the other passengers. They were so nice and seemed kind of relieved we actually asked about their lives and talked to them like normal. Yeah, your folks went on a cruise recently. It was a European like river cruise type of thing. Yes, they made friends with the band. Yeah, yeah. The band members said after uh, your folks tipped them, they said no one has ever tipped them before because all the other crew members, they pull their tips, but the band is not included in that. No, you understand it from the people running around getting you drinks and right. doing this and making your bed. Like you think about them, but you didn't think of the band right. that is entertaining you in the bar every single night of every your cruise. Night, yeah. Come on, tip the man. Yeah. Uh, she concludes, God, do I love a damn good cheeseburger. <laughs> if they had just banded together, they maybe could have overpowered the staff, but instead they just kept offering up money even after they make it obvious they don't want any money. No, because nobody was getting off that island alive. We watched this a few months ago, and now I want to watch this again. Love you guys from Superfan Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. Yes, money cannot buy you everything. Or freedom. No. Yeah. And you know what? It wouldn't have worked in this movie either. In Snowpiercer. That's right. They could have bribed them. But guess what? They were doing it on their own and they were finding more food and resources all along the way without you bitches. Yeah. But thank you again, Stephanie, for sending us an email. And we would love to get those emails or any messages that you would like to send our way from all of you listeners. Yeah. Getting a lot more stuff on social media these days. Yeah, we don't we don't care which way it comes. We just like to talk about movies. So you can email us neverseenitpod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter. We're going to keep calling it that because it just makes more sense. Yep. Instagram, reach out to us on any of their comments on our posts. Share our posts. Tell your friends about us. If you'd like to support the show, you can click the link in the podcast description, and that helps us that way. But most of all, we would love your help by going to wherever you are listening to your podcast and rating us five stars and maybe even leaving us a review. Even if you just write, these guys are great, because we even, are. Even if we're not great, just say that we're great. J just lie to us, guys. Yeah. Don't hurt my feelings. I'm so sensitive. Inflate our fragile egos. <laughs> Do all those things. It all helps support the show. And with that... That is another episode. We've got a few more random ones. And then guess what, guys? Because we can't be stopped, we're doing another series. But that's another thing for another day. In the meantime, this has been Never Seen It. My name is Betsy. Hey, my name is Trent. And we'll see you next time. See ya.